0: Welcome to the Psychedelic Integration Podcast. I'm Sinclair Fleetwood, your psychedelic life coach, and I teach you how to connect with your soul mission, follow your heart, and make lasting changes in your life by creating a sacred spiritual partnership with plant medicines. Learn easy tools, tips, and integration strategies that will demystify the psychedelic renaissance and open the way for you to come back home to yourself. If I can do it, you can do it too. Find out how here. Hey family, welcome to the show. I'm Sinclair, your host. Today I have my soul sister Stacy Constante. Stacy is Ecuadorian, first generation born in the US. She's a women's holistic hormone practitioner, nutritionist, herbalist, registered nurse, and mama, new mama. She's been following the medicine path through the Americas for about 6 years. And along the way, she's been slowly merging the teachings of allopathic and ancestral medicine. She's always willing to learn and be of service wherever the creator paves the path for her. I had the privilege of meeting Stacy back in my retreat manager days. Have gotten to sit in many ceremonies and containers with her. She's a fabulous queen, and I'm so happy that she's here. Thank you, Stacy, for taking some time to chat with me today.
1: Thank you for having me. <laughs> um I miss you already sitting. Here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so the first question I always ask my guests is to kind of tell the story of how you found this path. And, you know, I really am interested in your, your origin story with medicine being an Ecuadorian woman. And because Ecuador is like my soul home, my medicine home, that's where the medicine called for, for me. And so I'm really curious how, how did it happen for you how did you
1: find your way here um well actually, I actually first sat with medicine why well, sat like with you know like plant medicines like mushrooms and stuff like that not in a ceremonial way <laughs> like in, in music festivals out here in, in
0: and I feel like that's like part of the thing it's like and I was going to listen to
1: jams and <laughs> taking mushrooms for fun but well, the first time I did it out there like it, it really opened me up I was like oh what like, this is a whole new world. And then I think that's where it started, you know? And I started kind of digging in deeper with myself and then uh, I was pretty lost, super lost. And I was like battling with depression, anxiety, um, panic attacks, um, just like a mess, you know? <laughs> I had a bad relationship with alcohol, and, you know, it comes in the family, my family, you know, has, has that. And so uh, I kind of felt like, um, Where my environment was, I, you know, I grew up in Illinois. Mm -hmm. Um, I was little, I lived in Ecuador, but then from there, I um, grew up in Illinois. And uh, all you really have there is like bars and, (laughs) and partying. And so that's all my environment was. And like, I grew up with my family just partying. And so alcohol was like, if you didn't have alcohol, uh, it's like, it's what a boring place. is how I grew up. (laughs) I had this feeling like uh, that I had to leave. I just had something just pulled at me like I had to leave I started working with like meditation and stuff like that and and I when I started working with that I kind of had like this like pull like if I don't leave I'm, I'm not gonna heal
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so um well I, I was in nursing school I graduated nursing school and I just said you know what I'm gonna get my license in, in nursing in Colorado and then I had no choice <laughs> and so um I did I got in and I worked out there and, um, I went alone in like this little town in, um, it's like actually by Creston, in the San Luis Valley. That's how I started. And it was there. And I decided, um, to, I, um, well, actually I, I thought I can change there, but then I realized, you know, it's me because all the problems, <laughs> um, continued just in Colorado. Then. And so I'm like, oh my God, it's, it's not my environment. It's me. So. I decided to go to a Zen retreat in Crestone, Colorado. And there I met this girl who was only there for a day. It was this, you know, like the universe just kind of everything connects. And um, it just happened to be that that week, this like Buddhist uh, retreat decided to back, back out and so it opened up because it's always booked the whole summer. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went. And this girl also, when she was like a lawyer, um, her name's Nicole, I used to talk to her to this day. She's so cool. She was teaching in China. Um, she was going to Rea's ceremony mm-hmm. for peyote to sit in pe- uh, with peyote. Um, mm-hmm. And so she told me, like, we were talking about plant medicines. And I said, yeah, I kind of, like, feel drawn to that. Um, and she was like, well, come out with me. I just don't have a car. I'm selling it tomorrow. Mm. Oh, <laughs> wow. I have a car. So let's go. So we went down there to Boulder. It was four hours away. And that's where I met Rea. It was her first time leading her ceremony with all women. She had, you know, had gone on her own at that point, first time. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of this cool beginning for all of us. And then um, that's where I it, like my heart opened so much with peyote. And it was a beautiful ceremony. It was like an, a half moon all night. And uh, and there in the ceremony, it said, uh, like, I need to sit with ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what that meant, you know, because you don't know at the time. And I was like, what? And I just felt like something is calling me to go to Ecuador to like where it's like my ancestral lands. And I just thought maybe just meant to get away from everything. I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to go backpack, get away from everyone, start new, you know, there. I felt like I could backpack there because family's there. It's like a safe way. If something happens, I have my family out there. Mm -hmm. And as I was backpacking, I kind of just like, I kept feeling like that, that call to the plant medicine, the ayahuasca, because that's what it told me in the peyote. And then that's where I sat the first time with the medicines, um, with uh, ayahuasca and uh, San Pedro. And that's where everything just, then that's, it took off from there.
0: Mm-hmm. So you had, it's funny, your story is really similar to mine. Um, like having a really dysfunctional relationship with alcohol, finding a calling to plant medicine. And then we went to the same place, um, which I don't recommend that you go, just saying. <laughs> so you had this this big experience in a retreat what happened then what happened next how did your life change when you when you came back to colorado
1: well within that time between me going backpacking and, um, and the ceremony and peyote in colorado i had left colorado and went became a travel nurse um <laughs> so i was out in california at that point so i did a seven-day retreat and i came back to california i was in the er and it was like so intense coming back to <laughs> to the er you know and i remember my first coming back from that my first patient was like a, a one-year-old that we had to resuscitate. Mm-hmm. And before then, I was pretty numb. You know, mm-hmm. I could say that. I remember that's why I was so good in the ER because I was pretty just do, 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 do. And um, and I remember I it wasn't, my, it wasn't my patient. I was helping though. They called the SWAT team. So like I'm pretty much the helper that just jumps in and all, all the chaos. And so um, I had jumped in there and usually I would just like focus on what I had to do and I couldn't. I just saw the mom and she was like, you know, like crying and, and this baby's like, you know, I don't have to go in detail, but I was just trying to clean up all the, the mess. So the mom didn't have that being the last image, because I knew there's no real She's not coming back. This baby's not coming back. As to before, even though I would know that, I would still try to follow my protocols. And so it was like a big eye opener to me, like, whoa, where is this coming from? Like, and I, I like, felt the mom so intensely you know as to before i wouldn't really even I wouldn't really see too much of that you know mm-hmm. i was just so focused on our protocols and so it was there and then every day i mean i worked i don't recommend you do this ever <laughs> coming back from retreat literally the next day i went to work mm-hmm. into the and then i did 16 hours 16 hours 16 hours back to back and so i didn't give myself time to integrate and so uh, it was hard because uh, my life was thrown at me and i was so open and sensitive and I didn't really have anyone to talk to because, you know, talk, if you don't, you talk to people with, about ayahuasca, when you don't have a community yet, it's like, well, they don't you, they don't get it, you know, so it's, it kind of sounds crazy. It's like so, they don't speak your language. Yes. They're just like, what? <laughs> and so I did, I felt even more alone, actually. I felt more alone at night, um, just very disconnected. Uh, but at the same time, so connected. It was so, such a bizarre, like, feeling. Um, but I knew coming back, like, I'm not happy doing this anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I wasn't ready to let it go. And so I had a sister, who's still my sister, actually. She lives in California. She wanted to go travel. and so I said, well, let's go to Peru. I wanted to go sit in ceremonies in Peru. And so I took her out there. It was her first time. So it was like two months later, I went to another retreat. And then I was pretty much living like that for the last five years, like every two, three months. I was gone for, like, maybe a month or two in South America. Either Peru, I was there for a while, and then Ecuador kind of bouncing back and forth. And then Mexico. And so that's kind of how I lived after mm-hmm. that. Um, but then I allowed myself time in between to integrate. Um, so I would come back to work maybe a month or two later. But as time went by, it took me about two years, maybe maybe two, three years to realize, okay, my time in the year is done, and I need to let it go. And I did. So well, the medicine- you were...
0: You worked during COVID in the ER, like you were in the shit, right? I remember you were like going into New York city in the middle of COVID. I'm like, she is crazy, crazy awesome. I can't believe she's doing this. What was it like to, as a medicine person to go into that space of, you know, all this Western, I mean, so much death and like, like the medical stuff was not really helping people that much.
1: You know, I, I had to see it like, because I was in conventional medicine, you know, like your path is your path. Cause that's, it, you live it the way you're supposed to, so you could see. Right. And so I, at least that's how I believe. And, um, I had to see it that way. Like I had to see it and it's, I'm, the, I'm very deep person <laughs> and I have to see it and it's like extremes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I've always been that way. And so, um, being in, in New York, um, I actually got the tail end of it Mm -hmm. you know i did go thinking i was going to go into like you know crazy and everything and i was kind of the tail. we were were in this hospital i forgot the name of the hospital it was called but it was in new york um, manhattan new york and like they had opened that hospital just so they can get the overflow of covid so a lot of people in there like uh, patients were um a lot of overflow people who couldn't go back to rehab because you know they had covid or you know a lot of detox a lot of like dialysis like chronic chronic um, problems were over there and they just couldn't move them anywhere so they were kind of stuck there so they had to open this new facility just to keep them there as far as the tail end of it where we were in the process of not closing the facility trying to move them out but it was it was pretty like um neat to see from my perspective <laughs> having the medicine and everything um because i it opened my eyes and that was kind of the ending of almost like the last the tail end of my time as as an ER nurse
2: mm-hmm. so
1: I, I was I saw like these dialysis patients and for me it was like whoa and I was also working with my a sister Claudia who does Reiki and she was like the mascades and all that stuff so I had her doing Reiki for me while I was going back into this chaos so I mm-hmm. can center too um, and I was doing a lot of work where I did break down. I remember coming to the hotel and I broke down in this Reiki session because I was like, I don't, I want to really believe that I'm helping as a nurse. But the illusion breaks with the medicine Mm -hmm. because I see we're only keeping them alive, but they don't, their quality of life is completely like derailed.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: As nurses, we want to believe we're helping, but are we really, you know, we're, I would see these dialysis patients with like their legs chopped off mm. you know and I, I remember one specific one he was Peruvian and it's crazy because he's Peruvian and then the medicine you know and he was only spoke Spanish um he had one leg he couldn't feel his toes on the other we had to wrap him around he was he couldn't even use the bathroom anymore he had a diaper and um and these nurses and and you know and and They do the best they can, but they can be checked out at a certain point, you know, in in the nurse assistants. And they kind of just, I gave him his food and he was trying to tell him, I don't want this. And during our shift change, they would say, he doesn't want to eat. Like, I don't know what to do with him, kind of just attitude. And so I'm like, "Okay." so I sat there and talked to him and he's like, and I know because I know my father, who's old school Ecuadorian, he doesn't want the hospital food. He wants a real meal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I knew that. I'm like, he he doesn't want this mashed carrots. What is that? That's not food. You know, he wants a soup a real meal meat, you know? And so I asked him like, what's going on? He's like, I don't want this, you know? And I said, I know what you want. So I found some soups and I warmed them up and I gave it to him and he's like, yes, thank you. This is all I want. <laughs> and I'm like, if we could just communicate, but we forget that, especially as nurses, constantly having this long list to do that we forget, why are we here? We're here to help, you know, as much as we can, not just pass medications. Mm -hmm. and check off our checklists you know and so it was nice to be able to like really connect but at the same time disconnect and see whoa we're doing this all wrong Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like conventional medicine has taken a really like a wrong turn (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, and like I said we're not we're no longer truly there for people we're just helping them live longer
2: mm-hmm.
1: oh if you have no qual, if your quality of life is like I said derailed is that really a life you want to live just in the hospital and you know and so I feel like we're not looking at the right way we, people want to say oh we lo- we live longer now but yeah like on tons of medications we're on dialysis or in facilities in our mm-hmm. diapers Mm. it's really what it is right and so mm-hmm. yeah we live longer like that but that's not living and so i just came to that realization like damn like we live in this illusion where in the conventional medicine we truly believe we're helping
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i had to break that
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i really broke down in the hotel room and with the and everything and it was and she had like told me like yeah this is like your end put your like your in spanish she told me like put your cap your cape down In the Mm -hmm. nursing, it's over. You saw it. And now it's time to create how you truly want to help.
0: What happened after that? Like, how did you start to disconnect yourself from that job? Because it's really hard to leave something that you trained for that you, you know, is paying you a good salary. And like, this happens to a lot of people. They take medicine and they come into their career and they're like, nope, can't. (laughs) (laughs) So how did that look for you? Like the unraveling of that previous iteration of Stacy?
1: It was hard. Yeah. It was very hard because I knew in my heart, like, damn, this is not what I want to do. I like, this doesn't make any sense anymore. Like I also worked in that in for-profit hospitals because I worked in many hospitals as a travel nurse, trying to find the right hospital only to see like, wow, they're all the same, Mm -hmm. you know, and where it became so much like we were robots, Mm -hmm especially for the for-profit. I'm sure even the nonprofits are like just at this point where it was like we were competing because I worked with the HCA hospital. They were competing with other HCA hospitals. So they were looking at numbers. So at this point it was like, make sure you collect all these urines within 15 minutes that they come in, make sure you collect the blood work within 20, 20 minutes. It's everything's like a time. And so I'm like, whoa, we're in the ER. It's about, it's all about like what's priority. It's not a time. I I didn't collect this guy's urine because I was resuscitating this other guy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They don't care about that. They're Mm -hmm. just like, well, we need our numbers. And they pretty much told us like we're dispensable, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I just figured like, this is so messed up, you know, we're, and so I little, every time I would come back, you know, my eyes would open more Mm -hmm. and my eyes would open more and I would see more clearly. And I'm like, damn. And then there was a certain point where I thought, well, maybe I could change it. Maybe I could change the system, you know, at least the patients that get me, like I'm, I'm, I'm truly there to help them and I can help them in whatever way. And I would tell them like, if you really don't want to take it, don't take it, you know, don't take the mm-hmm. medicine, you really want it. You know, I, and like, but then I, I did it that for a year and I realized I'm fighting this big system
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's just me. <laughs> I'm not going to win in the system. And so, yeah, it was I had I had gone to Peru after that. It was like right at the beginning of COVID, because that's where everything just kind of started crumbling for everybody, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. It shook up a lot. And so I had gone to Peru. I sat with the sister of mine, Fernanda. It showed me so much. And she I went there so I can stay with the medicine and see, okay, I want to leave, but I can't because I put in all the schoolwork.
2: Mm-hmm. I spent
1: four years, I got my bachelor's degree in nursing. Like I even taught like resuscitation. I taught advanced cardiac life support pediatric i was like you know and and it was an ego thing because it was like i made it almost to the top of nursing er you go either er icu right (laughs) and um and it was just an ego thing like well if i leave that then what am i yeah right and so i thought oh my god i'm making so much money as a travel nurse i was making a lot of money (laughs) and then where do i go now right do i start over then um so i went to peru and i sat with san pedro um, first and I had a really like unraveling process. It was funny because before then I had still applied to different like um, ERs, cause I couldn't let it go, but I still, you know, you're still kind of like <laughs> trying to let it go, but here I am still applying. And um, also applied to addiction facilities and detox facilities um, mm-hmm. to I felt like, well, maybe I can transition out of ER into detox. Maybe it's different, mm-hmm. maybe it's just ER, right? Cause it was like my mind telling me that. And so I went there. And in the middle of the San Pedro ceremony, I started getting calls for interviews. <laughs> of course. And, and Fernanda, she was leading, guiding the ceremony, and I told her, and she's like, answer the call. You gotta answer the call. Cause you gotta see it. Mm-hmm. You gotta see it because this is what you're here for. What do you want? And I'm like, all right. I answered the call and I was so honest. <laughs> which is like, which you're not supposed to be in an interview for that type of, you know, that type of interviews in conventional medicine. And I was just so honest that I immediately I got the emails. They denied me, <laughs> and then I just started laughing. Before I would, ha- it would be so hard on me because I would be like, "Oh my god, they don't want me!" But I have all these credentials, mm-hmm. you know. I have all this, you know, this experience. But I just thought it was so funny. I'm like, "Oh my god, I don't want this anymore. Why am I holding on to this? Mm-hmm. Like this is my ego." And and after that ceremony, I submitted my two weeks. Mm-hmm into the ER and I just did it. And then when I submitted the two weeks, I went to an ayahuasca ceremony for my another brother and he's in Cause his, his name is Mike. Um he has a um a retreat up there. It's called Anahata. Um, oh nice. Ayahuasca. And so Heart I went chakra. Yeah. And so, and so I went there and um sat with the medicine there and uh and after I, I did Bufo and then ayahuasca and it really it opened me up and it showed me again. And, um and then I got an interview for, for, the, um, for an addiction facility here in Colorado. And I was honest because you're so open, you know, mm-hmm. and I was honest how I should be, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I got it right there in the spot. And so that shifted me out of the ER. Um, and then from there, it was the same thing. It's still conventional medicine. I got to see it. Then I went to ketamine clinic. Same thing. <laughs> it's still unconventional. And then, um, again, I, in between that, I went to more ceremonies and I just, uh, I went to herbalism school and, um, and then nutrition, um, and I just kind of slowly made my way out with mm-hmm. like a gradual, like, okay, okay. I get it. I got the message.
0: <laughs> You're like, I really need to be sure though. Like let me try addiction. Nope. Let me try ketamine. Ketamine's medicine. Yes. No, it's not. Yes. <laughs> It's still coming. <laughs> I feel like I want ketamine to be part of the, the medicine crew, and it's like, hey, I'm legal. Come on in. And uh-huh. I'm like, I've worked with so many people who were like tried ketamine, and they're like, no, I need something else. What else? What else is there? And I'm like, plants.
2: Yes.
0: So tell me about the new beginning, the bloom of Stacy, the herbalist witch. <laughs>
1: Um it was actually w- with um with the birth of my daughter.
0: Yeah. She's yeah. very cute this day. <laughs> Stacy is one of the only people that I know who I sat in a ceremony with her in an ayahuasca ceremony while she was pregnant. <laughs> and people think that that's weird or dangerous or something. And it was so magical <laughs> for me. <laughs> as a woman and as a medicine woman and like to see a woman carrying her child and doing ceremony. And it's really common in, you know, in South America for pregnant women to have medicine. It's like not really a big deal, but in America, everyone's like, Oh, (laughs) you know, like, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And so what was your, like, how did it feel to do that?
1: Well, I did have those thoughts like going in, like, Mm -hmm. Am I sure? Should I? Because you know the Western, like, talk was there, but in my heart I knew. Like, I sat with myself before, and I really asked, like, "Is this okay?"
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and and I just like the connection I have. And I it was, it was just telling me it's okay. You know, this has been done in my ancestry long before, <laughs> and so it's just me continuing that now right mm-hmm. and so bringing that medicine to my baby is from the beginning from womb
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's, it's well medicine right to her and so um I actually sat with her with my with my daughter in the peyote ceremony first when she was six weeks
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then um and with Raya
0: <laughs> nice
1: um, and I she asked me to be the water woman mm. such a beautiful like connection you know, doing the water prayer and everything. Um, and then when I went out down to Ecuador, I wasn't nervous. Like I didn't feel, honestly, the only thing I was nervous about was the food. Like, because you have to like um, eat and drink water, you know, for the baby. The mm-hmm. baby's constantly eating from you. And so I just wanted to make sure that she's getting still the proper nutrients. That's the only concern I had. I didn't have any concern that the medicine was going to damage. You know, I know, the, I know the medicine is like, is pure and it's like, it's a spirit It's going to work with her and with me. Mm-hmm. For me that wasn't my concern but it was it was so beautiful to sit with the medicine and have this connection because it was so different than than any ceremony i've had it's like so pure like like so innocent it's an issue i just felt like ayahuasca just like held me in this like like i was in a womb with my baby oh and it was That's like so a, beautiful and i did have some some hard times as you always do with ayahuasca right some mm. tough times and because i did ask to to show me the strength that I need for my birth and just to be a mother. And she did. And she would kind of show me a lot of outside noise and chaos and how I just had to keep focusing on my strength. And I would feel myself getting pulled. And then I would be like, nope, get back up, get back up. And I could feel the strength of a mother. And it was so, you know, something that you don't feel until you you are a mother. And it's like, whoa, what is this? (laughs) It's like the strength, like this, I don't know. And, um, and then the last ceremony I sat with ayahuasca, still there, um, well, in Ecuador, it was like uh, I kind of asked to do some work, right? And she's like, "No, it's time for celebration. Your baby's coming, you know. Mm-hmm. Celebrate with her. We can do that later." Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Wow, this is so beautiful." Okay, so, and I just was there.
0: <laughs>
1: Grandmother <laughs> and I,
0: gave you permission to party.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, and I and I can like I was talking to her, like I can see her. It was so beautiful, and I was like she would be, I could feel that she was hungry and I like didn't want to ask Salvador mm-hmm. <laughs> like, to eat because, you know, we're like, I never asked to eat. We're never hungry, at that mm-hmm. point, you know? And I, but I felt her like I'm hungry and she was broke. Like I started getting like cramps in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Okay, this is my baby. I'm gonna ask, mm-hmm. and I, he just happened to pass by. I walked outside, and I'm like, I think my baby's hungry. He said, like, Oh yeah, what do we? What do you need? Let's get a bowl of food. And he got me like a big bowl of food. I'm like, Well, I don't need that much as a banana. <laughs> I'm like, what well, is all of at this point? But um, yeah, and it was just it was beautiful. And then I I did it again when Paulina came out to the states, mm-hmm. um, and we sat with the medicine. Then it was beautiful because then Claudio was there, the father. Of- mm-hmm. A baby that was so beautiful I just felt like it's just a different feeling just of like bliss you're just kind of there and just bliss and it was beautiful
0: you um if I remember correctly you had a you had to do some clearing work to get pregnant is right like didn't you have a with combo is that right can mm-hmm. yes. you tell me tell me the story of your of your womb clearing because it's well, really it's a
1: magical story so I will always have right it's a chronic I I have endometriosis Mm -hmm. and so um it runs in the family it's either endometriosis or uterine cancer so um when I was 25 so I'm about to be 31 I was 25 or 24 I um I had like this big like um massive what is it endometrial mass Mm -hmm. on my left ovary and so I had to get surgery for it because they said it was. I was going to get torsion, meaning like my ovary was going to twist on itself because it was so heavy. And so I, I did that. And while they were in there, they found the endometriosis, and it was very severe. They said so. I was like stage four or five, and uh, and I was only twenty four. So she pretty much told me like, if you want to get pregnant, I would just do it now because like each year that passes, you you won't be able to. And for me, that was devastating because I'm like, well, I don't want a baby at twenty four. <laughs> I'm not ready for that, but I do want a baby eventually, you know? And mm-hmm. so I, I felt like, okay, well, time to go back to the medicine. I was already working with the medicine. And so I started, so it was five years actually worth of me clearing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that was like part of my journey. Right. And so I would, a lot of times I would go to back to Peru or Ecuador and, um, and and work with my womb. And I would, I had a one very intense ceremony with San Pedro or Machuma, uh, with Fernanda the same one, in Peru. And, um, I was in the bathroom purging and I had this like vision of uh, all my, my lineage of women handing me their uterus and every time they would hand me their uterus, I would purge. And so wow. I was cleaning a lot of that part. And so, and then, um, then I had another one where I was um, in, when we went to Germany mm-hmm. uh, time and uh, with ayahuasca, they, she said I had to really do a lot of deep work to clean my uterus Because um, my daughter was coming Mm. three years ago. And I was like, what? I didn't even have, I wasn't with my partner at the time. I was like, she's coming. And I'm like, I'm not ready to do the work. It was very intense. And she just like came up in my face, my daughter. Who I have her now on the same one. (laughs) Mom, I'm coming, you do the work. And I just went in and did the work. And it was pretty intense. And I purged a lot. Um, And then I went, then it was, in August of last year, um, I went up two years ago. I'm sorry. I went to, to Jailima, to Ecuador. I really came down to like, really like close the cycle with my uterus. That was like my, my thing like to close it and really do whatever I need to like purge everything out. I talked to Paulina um, and she had done some like crystal work during the ayahuasca ceremony in the fire. And then that night, my, my, my flow came. Mm and um, I was like, whoa, this is intense and then I did, uh, actually I did combo that time before just the first session Mm
2: -hmm. and then
1: I went to the ayahuasca ceremony and then I did combo again and then um, that's the one that was really intense Uh, I've done combo before but this one was like very, very intense I I had walked to the bathroom with Ryan and I just like felt, almost fell to the floor I'm like, oh, I'm going down, I'm going down (laughs) I went on my knees and I could just feel like I had to purge. I was purging off of both ends.
0: <laughs> Lovely. Double platinum. Yes. <laughs> Double platinum. It's a thing.
1: <laughs> and I, I felt like I had no more energy. And I'm like sitting on the toilet, the, the, the outside toilet. And I thought, oh my God, I can't die like this. So I like crawled my way out of that the outside bathroom, just sat on the floor. And I just needed the earth. And I laid, I just like kind of slithered on, on my side and lay there and I can feel like all these like like stabbing in my uterus like a bunch of just stabbing and so much pain and I like was just like digging my nails on the ground and but I knew like I can I saw I like saw my ancestors I can hear them and they're like telling me like you know you're strong this we need to do this we're clearing your uterus like be you strong you're strong just hold on you know and and then um, Salvador came my sister came and she just yeah, her name is Jackie. She just held my hand and, and um, I cried and it was just so much purging that was happening. Uh, Salvador did some things on my feet to clear. And then um, it, it felt like it lasted like, I don't even know eternity, but it was like maybe 30 minutes.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I sat up and I just said, thank you, everybody. Salvador is like, no one's ever thanked me after <laughs> this intense. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, you want some chocolate? I'm like, please. <laughs> And after that, I did the next. We went to ayahuasca. It was beautiful. And then I did my third combo to close it. And that one was fine.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I I didn't purge or anything. And I went home. I had sex one day. And then I got pregnant. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing.
0: I love that story. It's so powerful. It's like, um... well, it's like a real account of what it looks like to heal big stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. I think people think like, well, I'm gonna go to one retreat or one ceremony and like I'm all fixed. And it doesn't look like that. It looks like a lot of time doing maybe sitting with a lot of medicine and whatever you were doing in between too, you know. Um Mm -hmm. so let's shift gears and talk a little bit about integration. So a lot of people I have on this show have a strong relationship with medicine. It's a tool, a teacher, but something, a strong, regular presence in our lives. And I like to ask people who do work with medicine a lot, like what does your integration
1: look like? So I feel like it shifts a lot, mm-hmm. but mostly along the years, it really shifted so I can find what really works for me now. Mm-hmm. and stuff. So for me, I, I'm able to come back now after, I mean, that's my life, right? Like I, I'm especially being in ceremony. I was in ceremony all the time. I was able to come back and it's like, if nothing, cause that's just, that is, that's my way of life now. Mm-hmm. Um, but to keep when I'm not in ceremony, you know, something like, especially now that I had my baby, I have a little bit longer gaps. Um, I do do a lot of like rituals. I saw every new moon and every full moon. And um, also do that to connect with my flow. Um, as, as a woman who have who flows, but, um, so for like the new moon, I plant seeds um, out um, in and Mother Earth, uh, and just like ask for like the or pray on my intention for the next cycle,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um, I do that. I I like offer some songs, and then uh, for the full moon, I have a fire here. Actually, yesterday was a full moon, so that's an example. I have a, I did that this this yesterday, but I can I have a wood stove fire here. Um, at my place. So I um, built a little fire with my baby. I have her join. She's a woman. And uh, uh, I kind of throw some cedar in there and like uh, I do my prayers. And then I, um, I burn everything that um, I no longer need or no longer serve me from this last cycle. Mm. Um, and so actually this last time yesterday was a lot that came up that I was working on a lot. It was a tough cycle. <laughs> and so I was able to burn it and let it go. Uh, so it's perfect because then this podcast started today, which is yeah. Cool.
0: There's <laughs> a lot of celestial shit going on right now. Like <laughs> Venus was in retrograde and now Mercury's in retrograde. And it's, I don't pay super close attention to that stuff, but when stuff is going so wonky all at the same time and everyone in my life is like, chaos, panic, new beginnings, old things are dying. I'm like, okay, what's going on in the skies? Because yeah. there's always an influence. and. Oh, yeah. I- I love the the medicine for me has been such a gift of reminding me that I am a wild animal mm-hmm. living on an earth that is a cyclical you know ebb and flow she has seasons she has she has phases and all we need to do to be in balance is to align with those phases and those seasons it's not a lot that has to shift you know we have to just pay attention and that's one of the one of the easiest ways to pay attention is like the circadian rhythm and your moon and the moon you know those are two of the major ones that affect us every day every month so I like that I like the ritual so the full moon is typically when you would release and the new moon is when you plant and the, the reason for that is like So the new moon, there's, it's dark, right? So it's the same as when the seeds go into the ground, the seeds are in the earth and they need that darkness to grow up, but they need to be sitting in silence and, and inside the dirt waiting. And then the full moon is the release because the light is shining and everything is illuminated, right? It's like, there's no more hiding, whatever is coming here. It is. And you need to let, let it out. Um, and I didn't know any of that before I started working with medicine. Like I didn't know, I know we have a moon. I know it has something to do with the oceans, but I wasn't aware of how much those cycles affect me personally and every individual. And, you know, the importance of putting your feet on the earth and touching the ground, the soil, the grass, the trees, like these plants are, we are meant to be connected to the actual earth not the concrete or the you know the man-made stuff like a lot of I spent a lot of my life like not going outside sometime you know like I would go outside in the afternoons occasionally but now I go in the morning every day at sunrise for a walk because I'm like I need that UVA light on my body (laughs) um so it's beautiful to hear like that's part of your of your practice
1: and for for like being like a woman who has like their cycles like Yesterday was like the end of my of my of my flow, and so then I also um, uh, offered my blood to this beautiful tree that, that I could see here, and mm-hmm. so I went there with the baby and offered and said thank you for this cycle as I close it, you know, and and for me that has helped me so much working with my cycle again going back to like the endometriosis mm-hmm. that has like helped heal a lot as I have this connection now with my cycle and with the moons and stuff. and so, yeah, that's kind of how I. A lot of my work goes there.
0: So, tell me about what you are doing now as in your new in your new role because you do a lot of women's health stuff, right?
2: Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. I, I focus more on women. I t- tend to yeah get more women. Um, but so I work with women and their and like their hormones,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but also and uh, just in general with nutrition. Um, but you can't really separate them. No. <laughs> So, um, women nowadays, like in the modern world, we're so disconnected to our cycle, to our womb, because we are—we um, had forgotten that we're cyclical beings.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We live. We try to live this linear lifestyle. We try to live the man's lifestyle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Really, what it is, right? And so, and we, and I know many women probably get triggered by this, but <laughs> um, like a, a man or male or whatever, you know, can, can have a biological male, (laughs) can live, go to work, get up and they can live this way because that they're biologically mostly linear. Mm -hmm. As women, we're not, that's how we have our cycles. And so we have these highs and these lows, you know, depending on where we are in our cycle. And, um, when we're not connected to ourselves, we're like, what's wrong with us? Mm -hmm. Why do we feel this way? Or people look at us like crazy or they're PMSing or whatever you want to call it. Um, And we're also told that with our periods, like, oh, that's normal if you're cramping or if you're hurting, just take some, some uh, ibuprofen or here's some birth control, which actually makes everything completely worse and, um, and go on with your life and keep working. Or we look at our period as a burden, like, oh my God, my period is here. I wanted to go to this party instead of being like, oh, my period is here. This is my time to go inward, Mm -hmm. to sit with myself for three to seven days, depending on how long the cycle is for me. And this is our, this is our new moon. You know, we were talking about the new moon up in the sky. We go through our new moon in our halves in our full moon. And so this is our time to sit, reflect on our previous cycle because our, our period tells us how we had taken care of ourselves this whole month prior to. So it is a fifth vital sign. And so we have forgotten that as women, because we don't talk about it anymore. You know, yeah. we, we disregard it. And so a lot of women nowadays have, many, many problems with their cycles, which actually eventually mess with their hormones. And I'm talking about like insulin, their, um, their thyroid, uh, their cortisol levels, they're not sleeping right, you know, especially mothers, you know, because I, I can relate with that. And-, and I will
0: also say, especially women in their mid to late forties uh, going through perimenopause, it's like the same.
1: <laughs> yep. It's like the new, like your puberty all over again. Yep you're entering the wise woman (laughs) and so and and we don't talk about that and we don't share that there's no education it's just like oh just don't talk to her she's crazy
0: (laughs) or that it's normal to be in so much pain or to be bleeding a ton like I didn't know any of that was was abnormal I had horrible horrible periods most of my life until I started working with medicine and started investigating and coming into relationship with my blood and like seeing how my body, instead of having an outside person tell me how it is, I started asking myself how it is. And I'm like, I actually know the answers to this and I have to be patient and let those answers come instead of what's the matter with me, you know, like trying to get everyone else to tell me. So I love these holistic approaches because it's scary. If you start looking at Google or whatever, you're like, is it my thyroid? Is it my, do, you know, my insulin resistant and am, am I leptin resistant? Do I, you know, is there something wrong with my uterus? Do I have ovarian cancer? Like all of these different things when maybe the answer is slowing down yep, and listening and becoming intuitive and trusting yourself because a lot of women do not, I mean, I am in this boat now. I don't trust the medical system at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I have really been sitting with that recently because it is at a point of where I'm like, I don't want to engage with this. I want there to be an herbal solution, another solution. And it can be scary because you're like, well, maybe I should be getting checked out, but I have been so damaged by these systems and IUDs and birth control and procedures. And like, it's, what is your advice to someone who feels that confusion and overwhelm of like, what do I do with my body? I don't know
1: how to take care of it. I think- like you said, slow down. <laughs> and it's, it's hard for women like to say slow down, especially like mothers that are in like mm-hmm. this modern society. And but, you're
0: like, working. You're also mothering. You're working. You're taking care of the
1: house. It's like everything. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. And I, I understand that. And but sleep. Sleep. Oh, my God. That's number one. Go to sleep on time. Mm-hmm. Like our, our sleep cycles are the most important, especially as women from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. I don't care if you sleep at 1 a.m. and you're like, well, I slept in till like to noon or one. I got enough hours. No, you didn't because your your sleeps, your when you go into deep sleep, is between 10 and 2. So you miss that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So then your cortisol is gonna rise. And when your cortisol rises, then all your other hormones will go out of whack because your cortisol steals all your hormones.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so now you're frustrated because your progesterone is low. And now you hit you're, you know, so then it's it's no longer you can't really help that anymore in your head. So we have to regulate. It. And the best thing you could do is sleep. Go outside in the morning, get some sunshine. That'll regulate your cortisol if you have trouble with that. Um, sit with yourself, meditate. And many people are like, well, I'm not a meditating person. Well, you need to start to be. <laughs> okay? you know. I'm
0: sorry, but it's true. I say this all the time. And also Stacey is now telling you, you have to meditate.
1: Yeah, I don't, I, you know, there's, there's various versions of meditation. I'm not saying sit there in silence, but you can do like guided meditation or like listen to certain frequencies, anything like that, that allows you to sit with yourself mm-hmm. just to give you space away from the chaos. We, li- we live in a lot of noise, mm-hmm. noise, and that's all that noise interferes with us listening to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So as we allow that space. We can start to be like oh my body's starting to say this oh okay and you can start slowly giving space to hear yourself and it's hard it can be hard to do that but little by little you start adjusting to it mm-hmm. um eating whole food diets that's huge that's huge you know we, we live in a, in a in a society that's everything is conventional it's everything's convenient you know uh everything is in a, in a box and um and, as much as we can get our whole foods and i mean like prepare yourself is the best medicine we can give to our body because we need that fuel we live in a society where we're overfed but undernourished
0: mm, yeah and so
1: we're starving at a cellular level but we're all overweight
2: mm-hmm.
1: so how does that go you know and so it's starting to feed ourselves like and and staying away from the trends the low fat diet keto and that's just trends. Every person and every body is very different. We all have personalized ways to feed ourselves in our lifestyle. Some require more meat, some require less, more veggies, less. It's everybody's different. And, um, try to stay away from all the fad, the supplement fads and the, or even the herbal fads, you know, like there are certain supplements and herbs that are perfect for you. But there's a lot out there that are just marketing, mm-hmm. it's taking over the holistic and saying, oh, yeah, you need this, too. You need all of this. And it's like, no, now we're making supplements and herbs just like pharmaceutical medications.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so, again, we're still not listening to our body. We're just stuffing things and, and, and suppressing everything. And so it's, it's coming back to how we used to live almost. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> So how do you, if someone comes to work with you, what does it look like? Like, what's the process? What do you do with them?
1: So I do like the initial consultation. I have them fill out a, a, like some screening forms just mm-hmm. so I get a feel of them. It's like maybe nine pages almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it tells me all their, because I, I do merge like the, the nursing part too. When I look at their vital signs, I look at everything, all their labs. I want mm-hmm. their labs within their, their year, their this year. Um, and then um, do, you,
0: do you order labs if they don't have them?
1: I don't order them, but I can, I can, uh, recommend certain lives that they can go. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I sit with them and the first thing I just get to know them. So usually they're like maybe 75 to 90 minutes, the initial consultation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I just get to know them. I want to know how they like what they eat. So I ask like for a three day food diary just to get a feel of what they eat. No judgment. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what, what they're eating. Um, I want to know what their stress is like, how they manage their stress. Do they manage their stress? Um, what's a relax a relaxation technique? Some people relax by watching TV. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> and, like, um, and then what their sleep is like. And I want to know their periods, their mm-hmm. flow, what it's like. Do they have pain? Are they clotting? Things like that, if it's a woman. Um, so I look at everything from head to toe. Do they, do they sit with plant medicines? How are their experiences like?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How, how are they working with that? Um, and so then, um, I sit with them, I talk to them. I, I kind of look through their, their, what they had given me and just get a little bit more,
2: mm-hmm. you know, back,
1: just looking at them. Um, I could also see them through, you know, through the, as much as I can for virtual to see if I see any symptoms that can show me what they're telling me in a sense too. Um, and then we go over what I feel they can start with. So, like I said, everybody's personalized, but most people, we're going to start with their gut.
2: Mm-hmm
1: that's where it all begins <laughs> and stuff so, so and I'm not going to throw an entire like uh list of things to do it's going to overwhelm them so mm-hmm. maybe I start with two three things
2: mm-hmm.
1: and but I ask them like we go with it together I don't just tell them this is what you're going to do <laughs> we go over together and then our session is done then and then this is part of the initial consultation I, I go through the whole thing I do more research to make sure and then I um I pretty much have their plan written out and I do another call with them that's maybe about 20 minutes and we go over this plan together and that's their time where they can tell me actually take that out or no, I can do this and we talk about it and then that's their first, their first, um, that would be like their first step and then when they come back for the follow-up, I actually do the follow-ups with starting with meditation. They didn't do the meditation when we're doing it now (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then we go from there. We see where the point is I'm, good, I'm going to offer recommendations, um, personalized recommendations, and they will keep shifting it to their lifestyle. And then the whole point is eventually they don't need me. You know, I don't want them to be with me for their entire life. I mean, if they want to, but that's not the, where something is wrong then <laughs> we're doing something yeah. wrong. The point is that they're with me until they finally listen to their body. So I also give them, um, like ways that they can listen to their bodies. Like if it's women and they're open to it to sit with the moons, things like that, mm-hmm. um, start connecting with their bodies, So that eventually they're like, actually, no, Stacey, my body says this. I'm like, okay, that's what I wanted to hear. Now follow mm-hmm. that.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: eventually they don't need me. Now they can follow what their body is saying.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's like a, a path of guided, guiding them back to self-trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty and, much- and intuition and like, listen. Yeah. I love that. How long do you usually work with people typically? What's like the average?
1: Um, It depends, but I would say like maybe two years, one to two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a long
0: process, yeah. a lot of this stuff. It's a long
1: process, yeah. And it's we, want, a lot of-
0: we want things to happen so fast and it just doesn't. And no. It's hard in this economy, market, whatever, this holistic healing is not an easy sell because it is a long term. It's like, okay, two years, we're going to be doing this for two years. And people are like, I can't commit to two years. I can't commit to three months. You know, like they really want a 21 day fix or something. Yeah. Just like
1: 21 day detox.
0: (laughs) Not like that. It's, and that's part of the education of the medicine is recognizing like, oh, this is a whole lifestyle shift. This is a trajectory shift. I'm turning the boat in a different direction and it's going to take some time and it you can let go of the timelines, you know. It's not like a diet. You don't need to be losing 30 pounds in 60 days or whatever. It's you don't need any more timelines. Like letting go of the timelines is part of letting go of the linear time-based like productiveness over health
2: mindset right
1: yeah yeah and i i feel like people they they don't they forget like how long they've been living this way so i always remind them like okay so how long have you been living this way mm-hmm. 40 years and you want it, you want your change to happen in two weeks
2: mm-hmm.
1: you've done 40 years of damage to your body and you're expecting your body to recover tomorrow mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not going to happen it's unrealistic and that's why we turn to conventional medicine because it's like, Oh, here's a pill. It's your pain goes away. And it's like, but then that adds some more problems mm-hmm. and You also later on. And so, it's, just
0: like, it's just like sweeping all of the dirt under the rug. Like at yeah. some point the rug is going to be like floating on a trash pile of dirt. Uh, yeah, The body like keeps score, you know, you have to, there's some, I don't know who said this, but like listen to your body when it whispers so it doesn't have to scream. Yeah. I always really like that because I have definitely spent most of my life being screamed at and being like, I'm not gonna listen. And now as I'm getting older, I'm like, I would really like to be a person who can be a whisp like a body whisperer for myself. Yes. Where I'm just like, I you know, I hear you, we're in sync, we're in tune. And it takes a lot of intention and, and attention to just daily boring stuff, really. The work happens in the most mundane, you know, it's that choice between, are you going to drive through somewhere? Or are you going to go home and cook yourself a nice meal? Exactly. And you think, well, this doesn't matter, but it does. It matters every time. It's like, if you can, every time you choose, I'm going to cook for myself. I can't, I can barely eat out now. Like I hate eating out. It's so disappointing. And I'm like, this is full of seed oils and traps. <laughs> I'm like I don't even enjoy this anymore. And you took my money. Like what? I know,
1: <laughs> I know it's 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 crazy. And I I think the hardest part for people is that they get caught in like this shame cycle. Yeah. So they're like, okay, they're doing so good, and they're eating. You know, like it. Their mindset. What happens is like their mindset needs to shift. And so I help them through that shift in mindset because it's a lot that's going on here and in the heart.
2: Mm-hmm. And like
1: that's causing them to continue this these habits, right? And so it's like, they get into this like, okay, I'm doing good, whatever that means. <laughs> I'm eating all these things I'm supposed to eat. And then somehow something happens, they get stressed out, life happens. And then they, they go for that donut or that cookie because that's usually how they would handle their stress. Mm-hmm. And then while they're eating that donut, they're like, I knew it, I can't do this anymore. I'm not gonna do this. There's no way... I already failed. I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. Like I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. And it's like, all of a sudden it became about them just because they ate that one donut Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and their whole, they don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's too hard for them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's reminding them that this is going to happen. You're going to go for that donut because you're human Mm -hmm. and it's okay. in that moment. at that point, just enjoy it. (laughs) And then you start again tomorrow. But
0: I think you have to go for the donut. Like it's part of the process to pick it back up and be like, Oh, I'm actually aware of how this makes me feel. Uh, Yes. You You can't get the awareness unless you go back into the old coping mechanism and you're like, Ooh, this doesn't feel good at all. And And that's
2: exactly—it's
0: like remembering, right? Like, okay, this is why I don't want to do this.
1: Yes. And that's exactly what I tell them. I tell them, this is part of the process. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm like, when you have stepped back into the donut, for example, um, Maybe I say donuts because I like donuts. donuts.
0: I always say donuts and Doritos. Yes. I, I used to be like Doritos were my thing and now I cannot. There's no way I would eat Doritos. But no. it took me a lot of going back and being like, but I love Doritos. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> oh, they're gross. Don't eat those." But it was like years of like, okay, maybe I'll just have some Doritos.
1: <laughs> I know. It's so weird how it all changes. But then I, I tell them like, while you're there eating it, then observe yourself. Mm-hmm. Now it's your opportunity to observe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, how do I feel? Why did I go for the donut? Was I truly hungry,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or was I stressed? So instead of next time, now because now you're going to be more aware.
2: Mm-hmm. Instead
1: of going for that, maybe you can go for this, and then you shift little by little. You just keep shifting, like you said. Instead, of, where am I going to drive to next? You know, yeah. and it's those little shifts that's going to make your 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 long term you know lifestyle change and then you're going to look back and like you said you're not going to want the donut and not because you can't have it because you're like whoa I, I don't even crave it it doesn't even taste the same you know and so and that's how we it make it.
0: me ch- feel like I snorted crack because yes. so much sugar that's how donuts are not my thing but <laughs> I when I eat a donut I feel crazy I'm like can you eat the children what this sugar and
2: you're like ah. <laughs>
0: amazing and i will put all of stacy's links and information on how to contact her in the show notes and my final question for you is do you have any one last tidbit of wisdom heart wisdom that you want to share before we go
1: i guess in this in this crazy world and with all the noise listening to your heart is is the most important mm. and so nothing else matters nothing else not your work not anything that's telling you otherwise and to remember that because that's going to take you home
2: mm. that's
1: going to take you to whatever you're looking for because that truly is what you're looking for mm-hmm. it's, nowhere else. it's it's in here
0: mm. that's so beautiful thank you sister thank you so much for sharing your beautiful story and I love you and I'm really grateful that we are Sisters and friends and colleagues and I'm sending you all the best for your
1: upcoming retreats and I'm actually having an, an, I'm not again I'm not hosting I'm helping it in um, November that's when, that one's in Peru oh awesome um, it's at the community garden um, I actually do the med, the the health screening for them and then I do the integration part after nice um, and so I'll actually be there it's from November 10th to 20th um, so if you go to the community garden garden mm-hmm. um, you'll Find it there. And I'll be posting about it too. Nice. I'll
0: put it in the show notes as well. Thank you, Stacy. Sending you all my love. Thanks for listening, everyone. It. We'll see you next time.